We're considering a passage of scripture this morning that is in uh, many ways one of the most magnificent expressions of our life of faith together. And there was a pastor in Boston, his name was Harold John Ockengay, and he was the pastor of the Park Street Church in Boston, and he preached a message on this uh, very same text, and he entitled his message, The Highest, the Best, and the Most Wonderful Reaches of Christian Doctrine. And he said that in the message, um, as he reflected on the text, that they had climbed to the highest peaks of the mountains of the knowledge of God. And from that summit, you could survey all of the beauties of God's truth from that majestic height. Uh, So this Easter morning, uh, these same words from Romans chapter 8 are truly amazing words for us. And this astounding truth uh, is for us. And there's no hyperbole. There's no exaggeration in any of these words. And we're going to explore them together. And the text starts with the question, what shall we say in response to all these things? In response to what things? Now, uh, just prior to this, the the text describes two things. Uh, One is that God is working all things together for the good of his people. And secondly, that our destiny as people of faith is to be like Jesus. And it's, it's those two things. He says, what are we going to say in response to that? That God works all things together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purposes. Uh, it's all about the purpose and the providence of God. Essentially, that God is in control of all things. Now, when Pastor Akinge preached his message, it was during a time of international crisis. It was World War II. And he argued that uh, during that time of crisis, that there was that there was a heightened interest in the, the providence of God and the fact that God was in control of all things in history. At the same time, also in the city of Boston, there was a newspaper editor and uh, his name was Lincoln O'Brien. He claimed just the opposite. He said that actually World War II was damaging to the Christian faith that it was harmful to the Christian faith because the Christian faith clearly teaches that God is in control of all uh, events of human history. And and O'Brien said that because of the crisis that they were in and people's suffering and, um, and their losses that they had experienced, that people couldn't believe that a good God was in control of the world. And today I bring you this same passage of scripture, and I I bring you the same question. How can we trust that God is in control and that God is good in the midst of our current crisis during this COVID-19 pandemic that we are experiencing right now? You see, the Bible teaches that God is indeed in control, even in the midst of difficulties. This passage of scripture that was read for us talks about trouble and hardship and persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, and sword. See, God never promised us freedom from all these kinds of suffering. God never promised that we would never face difficulty. But we have faith that God is still accomplishing his good purposes in the midst of these difficult things. Why do we believe that? We believe that because of Easter. We believe it because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. First of all, that Jesus died. 
that we as Christians, and this is unique to um, really to all world religions, that we as Christians believe that we have a God who entered into human suffering, that God himself becomes a victim of human suffering and experiences even human death. So while we may not understand all of why God allows these things to happen in our world, we know that it isn't because God doesn't love us. He, he, he loves the world so much that he sent Jesus to die for us. So we know that God understands our suffering and God understands the harshness of this world that we live in. But not just his death, it's also his resurrection. Jesus has victory over even death. Romans 8 chapter 11 says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. So we as people of faith can say, Where, O death, is your victory? Where death is your sting? That the spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead will, will raise us too. Even, uh, even in life and death, we are in his hands. So because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, we can have great um, confidence and we can have great hope that God is good and in control in the midst of our uh, current circumstances and that we can live a life uh, in light of that resurrection. And I want to think about this resurrection life that we can uh, live together and take a closer look at this passage of scripture here. We're going to be thinking about Jesus's death and Jesus's resurrection and the resurrection life that we can live from that. First of all, Jesus's death. Jesus's death reminds us that God is for us. Verse 31 says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? This has been a tough season and uh, heart goes out for uh, things that have been uh, had to be postponed and, and canceled and students who won't get to experience uh, graduations or proms or different milestones. And uh, the comedian Jimmy Fallon, uh, who hosts The Tonight Show, he's had to record The Tonight Show from his home. And, and he, was, uh, he, he wrote a song and performed it in his uh, in room of his home. And it was called Prom With Your Mom about a kid during the COVID crisis, a high school student who was forced to go to prom with his mom because his sister said no and he didn't want to go with the dog. So he had to go to the prom with his mom and she got him a boutonniere and they went to the backyard. Dad was the DJ and they danced together and that was, uh, that's, that was his experience of high school prom and ended up uh, having a good time. So it was, it was a it was a hysterical uh, number. You could look it up online. Uh, but my point sharing that is like thinking about proms, a uh, true story of a young man who went to pick up his prom date and he went to the parents' house and uh, he gave her a corsage and the parents took photos and they were getting ready to leave and go to the prom. And the dad said, hey, I, uh, I want you to take my car. And he tossed him the keys. And it was the keys to his, his prized uh, vintage Corvette. And the young man was a little taken back by this. He said, you're actually going to trust me with, with your vet. And he said, hey, kid, if I trust you with my daughter, then I can certainly trust you with my car. 
And in the same way, we think about the love of God the Father. We consider that if God did not spare his own son, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things, as the text says? God, God has given us his one and only son. It's Jesus' death that proves that God is for us, that if God did not withhold his own son, how will he not give us everything that we need? He's given us the greatest thing that he could, he could possibly give us. So all of our other needs will be provided for. And Jesus' death proves that to us, that God is for you and he will provide everything you need. But secondly, Jesus' resurrection, that proves to us that we are not people who are condemned. Look at verse 33. Who will bring any charge against those who God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who condemns us? And, and there's those moments in our lives where we all feel condemned at times. Sometimes it's an external thing. There are critics in our life who condemn us and judge us and judge us for our choices and judge us for our behaviors, judge us for what we've accomplished or what we haven't accomplished. It could be uh, a critical boss or coworker. Maybe it's way in your past. Maybe it was a critical parent and that voice is still with you. Maybe even a critical spouse or family member. But a lot of times the, the feeling of, of condemnation that we have is internal. That we have condemning hearts and we, we judge ourselves because we have a sense that we've failed in life or we've missed out or we messed up when we were younger and we somehow missed the boat. And we condemn ourselves. We judge ourselves guilty. And this self-condemning heart says, you know, I'm just not good enough. Uh, I'm just not enough for this life. So it can be an internal thing. But for some people, it may be a spiritual thing. They feel condemned even by God. Now, when you feel this condemnation, you know what? There's a good reason for it. Because your critics, in a sense, they're right. You're not always good enough and you do make mistakes. And when your own critical heart judges you for the ways you've fallen short in life, in a sense, your heart is, is right. We, we, we've all messed up. Sometimes we have. And in a spiritual sense, God says every single one of us has fallen short of his glory. So these uh, condemning thoughts, in a sense, in, even in a small way, are, are accurate for us. And, you know, that's not a very reassuring thought, except for Jesus. Because God's word says in John 3.17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's what his death and resurrection is all about. That's why we celebrate Easter. That Jesus took all of our failure and all of our sin and all of the condemnation that goes with it. He takes it on himself on the cross and it dies with him. He took the, all of the negative consequences even the death on himself. And he did that for us. But more than that, um, he, he rose again. And so 
when we when we put our faith in what was accomplished on that cross earlier in this chapter in, in um, Romans chapter eight, it starts off by saying there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that by faith we are not condemned people, but we are loved and accepted by God, forgive, completely forgiven and healed. And the image here is Jesus risen and ascended to heaven and he's at the right hand of God the Father and he's interceding for us. He's making our case and he's looking at us and pointing us out to God the Father saying, yeah, that one right there, I died for him. I died for her. Father, these are your children. I I accept that one. I accept him. I I accept her. And it's, it's amazing that his righteousness is, is for us and we are, we are not condemned in any way. And there's amazing freedom in that. Because then when we realize that God doesn't condemn us, then we think about the people who do judge us or condemn us. And it doesn't really matter because our creator loves and accepts us. Even our own condemning hearts, we can let that go. We can take the pressure off ourselves and we can rest in his acceptance and in his love. And so he's uh, provided everything that we need. He's for us and we're not condemned in him. So we come to our last point here about the resurrection life is that if God is for me, he's given me Jesus. And um, if he's given me Jesus, he's going to give me everything I need. And if he doesn't condemn me, um, then it doesn't really matter what other people think or even what I think of myself, then the only thing that could mess this up is if somehow I became separated from the love of God. So we come to verse 35. Who then shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. This is a very bleak picture of the dangers that we can face in this world. And we know that we face dangers even in our current situation. So the question is, which of them can separate us from the love of God? And we see verse 38. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation would be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. There are difficulties now. There are present difficulties. There are things like disease, unemployment, loneliness of isolation, loss, or whatever current need you have. But Jesus, in our present, takes away the bitterness of those things. There are things in the future, things like fear of the future and how will, what will come after this and how will I rebuild my life or rebuild my business. But the God of the future helps us to conquer those fears. None of these things can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Not even death itself. Because death couldn't hold Jesus, it won't hold you. If you put your faith in Christ Jesus, but it gets even better. Not only are these things not going to separate us from God's love, but more than that, we can be victorious. We are conquerors. Look at verse 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
We're more than conquerors. It's, it's, it's not about just surviving, but being victorious. Right now, by faith, we can come out of this stronger than we went in. I mentioned earlier in the service about the, the Free Church Fire of 1941. And I want you to hear the words of the pastor of the church at that time, a man named Herman Johnson. And I think these are good words for us today in our current situation. He said this. He said, while the fire of 1941 was costly, inconvenient, and saddening, it brought us many benefits. We discovered, for example, how many friends we had in Andover. We discovered how important a place the church had in our hearts and how much we missed it when it was out of order. We saw how loyal all the members of the church were and how they rallied to the work of ministry in time of emergency. And he goes on to say this. Outward misfortune often gives us greater spiritual power. A disaster which imposed certain physical handicaps upon us seems to have strengthened our faith instead of weakening it. We can be more than conquerors. Our present crisis is not just something that we can survive, but we are more than conquerors. We, as we, as we continue to live this resurrection life, amid all of this, more than conquerors. And yes, one day soon, um, things may come back to uh, more normal. We'll be able to gather again in one place. Um, and, and yeah, I hope that we would have at that time an enhanced appreciation for our ability to be together, for our ability to, to hug and to be close to one another. But even in this time of distancing, I pray that our church would grow, that we would grow spiritually, that we would grow even numerically, that some of you who have been visiting online would come back and join us, that we are not just going to survive this, but we are going to grow in our faith and in our community, in our love of God and our love of each other. We are going to live the resurrection life together. Our passage started by asking the question, what shall we say to these things? And my question to you today is, what do you say? What are, how are you going to respond to these things? I encourage you to respond in faith. That maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ or you've, you've sort of put that on the shelf. That today is a, a day to open your heart and to put your faith in Jesus Christ or to renew your faith in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you just where you are right now to close your eyes and pray. And you could pray words like this. Even in silence, you can pray. Father God, today, this day, Easter 2020, I turn to you in faith. I want to know this resurrection life. I accept that what Jesus accomplished through his death and, and by his resurrection that I, I accept that I can receive forgiveness of my sin, that I can receive new life and resurrection life. I pray that you would be my Lord, that you would be my God, that you would show me how to navigate this difficult life and be victorious and be more than a conqueror because you are good and you are for me. And I accept that by faith. I trust you, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've, uh, if, if that's you and if, if you're, 
committing your faith today or you're renewing your faith today, I encourage you to continue to join us for church. We're going to keep gathering like this every week. Um, Continue to gather as a church and, and let's continue to connect with God and connect with his people. Let's live this resurrection life together. God is for you. And nothing in all of creation can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.